This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right and so they went he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing and about five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around he asked them why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing because no one has hired us they answered He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. So far, that's normal. And then he adds, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am jealous? And Jesus ends, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Some things in life aren't fair, are they? I give you, for example, lineups. Uh, I used to be do Costco lineups. I try to avoid those now. But you know how it is, trying to find the best line. And the other one is border crossings. You cross the border. Now, uh, when you live in Ontario, usually you're crossing a river. So you're coming up over a huge bridge. And as you come, start coming down the bridge, you start scanning, right? And if you have people in the car with you, you're going, look, look, which one's the best? Which way should I go? And so you slow down while you're sort of trying to figure out where you should go. And finally, you have to make a choice. So you choose a line. You're sure it's a winner. And, and just to make sure, you, you check, oh, the blue Pacifica van over here and a white Impala over there. Are you with me? And, and you're going to make sure that you picked the winner line, that you get to gloat at the end. But pretty soon you realize that you've picked a loser line. The Pacifica is like three cars ahead, and the Impala, you look and you count, it's five, five ahead already. How did that happen? 
And then to add insult to injury, they open up a new line way over on the right-hand side. You got it? And people who just came across the bridge are zooming right up to that wicket, and they're through, and you're still seven behind. It's not fair. Doesn't this parable of Jesus seem something like that? It's unfair. And the way the landowner acts in this story is just crazy. I mean, what would happen to economics and the marketplace and character development if we all just acted like the landowner in this story? So let's look at the introduction. Actually, we didn't read the verse just before the parable, Matthew 19, which says, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And that's how Jesus ends the parable as well. Those words bookend the parable. And then it's, for the kingdom of heaven is like. So this is a kind of story called a parable. And that word comes from two different words or parts. Para means alongside, and bola is a verb that means to throw. So Jesus encounters a situation in the Gospels, and alongside of it, maybe someone asks him a question or something has happened. The disciples are talking about something. And in this case, it's the story of what we call sometimes the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus talks about the commandments, and this young man says, well, I have followed all of them. Like, he is diligent and rigorous. And then Jesus says, well, why don't you sell everything you have and come and follow me, at which the young man walks away sorrowfully. And then Jesus and his disciples talk about what it takes to get into the kingdom. So he tells a story in response to that, a story with a deeper meaning, giving us some picture of how things work in God's economy of life. So it's kind of a drama. Act one, scene one, the landowner goes out early in the morning, he finds people. So think of an agrarian society where there are crops growing. In this case, it's likely grapes. And so the grapes have been out there in the sun, ripening and growing big and getting juicy, and they need to be picked now. And there are people who are willing to pick them, and what they do is they come to the marketplace or the village square every day, and then they get picked to work. So who is there before 6 in the morning? Well, it's the eager workers, right? The ones who uh, set their alarms and got up. The, the early bird gets the worm, after all. They, they are steering their own destiny, and they are making the best of their life. And you get the sense that even that there is some kind of haggling or bargaining going on. And finally, the, the, the owner agrees to pay them a denarius because they're coming like, hey, we're strong, we're good. Everybody wants to hire us. So if you want to hire us, it's going to cost you this today. So at the beginning of the day, they are extremely pleased with themselves. They've bargained and haggled. They've gotten the price they want. Off they go to work the 12 hours that they expect. Then scene two. Later on, three hours later, he finds people again. And this time, notice that there is no bargaining about a price. Instead, he simply says, 
I will pay you whatever is right. They're willing to rely on the landowner's judgment and expect that he will be fair with them. So probably some portion of a denarius. So they're happy, they go out to work, and then this scene repeats itself every three hours. The third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, there are still people hanging around. And then scene three. About five in the afternoon, so there's only one hour of work left. He goes out, and there are still people hanging around there. Now, I ask you, what kind of people are hanging around in the marketplace at this hour of the day when owners have been coming to hire people and pick them up, and these guys are still left over? Maybe they've been sleeping off a drunk. Maybe they've been gambling with dice under the trees with their buddies all day. And now that they've lost everything, they're going, oh, shoot, I better, I better try to make some money today so I'm still hanging around there. And notice that they blame other people. Well, no, nobody's hired us. Have you ever felt like that, that loser, that leftover? The one who doesn't get picked for the team. The one who doesn't get invited to the birthday parties or get the valentines. The one who feels like a leftover in their family or at work and is just happy to feel included or important. So then we get to act two, the story kind of reverses. Scene one, the evening came, the owner says to his supervisor, call the workers in. Obviously, that's what he would do. But then he adds a very strange detail. He says, call them in in reverse order. Like, you wouldn't do that, right? The people that have worked hard should be the first people. They should get their money, be able to go into town, buy the best foods that are still left over. But instead, he says, in reverse order. And you should know that that is a clue to interpreting a parable, is to know that the things that are strange, that stand out, that don't make sense. And then you think, oh, maybe I know what he's going to do. He's going to call them up and make an example of them in front of everybody else. Rather than waiting till the end when there is nobody else there to shame them and to stand around and go, yeah, he's going to do it first so that they get the message. But that's not what happens, is it? Scene two. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, I imagine them be having a little bit of trepidation, like, why is he calling us first? And they put out their hand... And what does he do? Not yell at them. He gives them a denarius. And I imagine one coming up and then the other one coming up and they're looking at each other like, did you get this too? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then they look at the master and he, he just smiles and says, go on now, go on. And imagine the joy among the people who, who go there expecting very little and who instead get blessed with generosity, with grace. They leave with great joy. And so it goes on down the line until the final group comes up. Scene three. 
So when they came up, well, they expected to receive more. But they also all received a denarius. And, and why did they expect to receive more? Because they had struck a bargain for more? No. Because the landowner had promised them more than other people? No. Simply because they had worked hard and expected a certain wage. And in, in, in their view, payment depends on worth. It depends on worth. And I'm worth a lot more than that worthless one over there. And so when they receive it, scene four, they begin to grumble and complain. And they say, it's not fair. It's not fair. These latecomers worked only one hour, and we, you have made them equal to us. And yet, come on, we are worth a lot more to you than they are. And we show it by what we do. They aren't equal to us. They're less. And then it says he answered them. And he uses the word friend. Friend, compassionately he speaks. I'm not being unfair to you. You agreed to this beforehand, remember? I am fair to you. You bargained, and this is what you wanted. I'm giving you what you wanted. It's my business, remember, my money. I can give it out as generously as I like. Why should you be jealous of how I spend my money if I want to bless other people? If I choose to operate on a principle of grace and not pure economics, that's my business, not yours. And then Jesus ends with that same phrase that he started with. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So how do we understand this parable? Well, you see, the interpretation or how you respond to it depends on where you see yourself in the lineups. Do you see yourself at the beginning, at the beginning of the day? Or do you see yourself at the end, at the beginning of the day, which Put you at the beginning, at the end of the day. In other words, which group do you relate to? The diligent, flinty-eyed workers who strike bargains, who are in charge of their own destiny, who know where they're going, who know God must bless them because they work so hard for him. Or the worthless, undeserving ones who are left over, who are beaten down, who know they're messed up who come expecting little because they know themselves and are surprised by the grace, the generosity of a God who is not simply fair, but generous, beyond fairness. Maybe you grew up in a family where, you know, you were a good girl or a good boy, depending on your behavior. I was often a bad girl at home. Um, but I learned that when you went to school, you know, if you met these certain standards and if you gave the right answers, then pe people liked you and you got respect for that. And I have to say that truthfully, I also learned that in church, that there were certain ways to look and behave and answers to give, and then you were considered the kind of person who met all the check boxes. 
And I remember so clearly once hearing a speaker, and I was already in my 30s, and this speaker at a conference said, God cannot love you any more than he already does. And you know what happened inside me? I was like, what? Don't tell me that, because I had this automatic thing. Of course God can love me more. Of course God can love me more. If I do great things for God, if I do stupendous things for God, God is just going to shower me with blessings, which are an indication of his great love for this spectacular child of his. And then the speaker repeated it. God can't love you any more than he already does. And God can't love you any less than he already does. And suddenly it was like the scales fell off my eyes or my heart. I saw myself as the one who thought I earned my salvation. And God was proud of me because I, I worked so hard for God. And I needed to repent I needed, in order to have joy in my life, I needed to recognize that I was one of those people who comes undeserving. And that it's not what we do. It's what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Amen. It's what Jesus has done for us. Only Jesus can pay the price. Only Jesus is the perfect life. Only Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And what we do then is respond to God with joy, not earn our salvation. The kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven relies on economies of grace not fairness. If, as it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what we need, God's mercy, God's grace. And guess what? Grace is not fair. Grace is not fair. It's beyond fair. It's generous. And it leads to joy. And so I ask you if that joy is in your life. Do you have that joy from knowing that God has been generous to you? And can you live out of that joy? The joy of a God who loves us and pursues us and sustains us by grace. Sisters and brothers, the good news of the gospel is grace is not fair. And for that we give thanks and live in joy. And we live to follow God's example. So I ask you to stand, and we're just going to end with these closing words from Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let me just bless you before you go. In my tradition, I raise my hands to bless. I invite you to stretch yours out as a sign of receiving these words from God. People of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord smile on you and fill your life with his grace and peace. And all God's people say, Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.